Welcome to the movies with the Ghost Breakers. Watch Bob Hope battle ghosts, zombies, and foreigners with his trusty black sidekick. I used to be a poet. Watch Bob Hope break women's hearts as he sets his sights on the lovely Paulette Goddard. A lot of folks don't like you, boss. Hold your woman close as they visit Black Island, a place of spirits, mystery, and racially charged stereotypes. Sweet Judas. Make sure you don't miss the Ghost Breakers. Whatever you say, boss. I was surprised by this movie. In many ways. <laughs> I gotta say, I was regretting my decision. Uh, I think this would be something I'd show to my kids. Oh, that's good to hear. I think it's about a father's love for his child. Oh, absolutely, yes. And uh, a complete stranger's love for that man's <laughs> child. wore really ugly outfits. <laughs> you know, puke yellow, prom night, pale blue, you know. Uh, I don't even know <laughs> yeah. where to start <laughs> with this film. Definitely not a movie I would consider watching unless you tell me to. Hello, I'm Derek. And I'm Peter. And this is The Mog. In this podcast, one of us suggests a beloved movie from our childhood for the other to watch. And then we talk about it. What makes us laugh? What makes us cry? And whether or not it explains our general mistrust of Cubans. <laughs> shady, shady Cubans. <laughs> yeah, Derek, what have we got today? It's one of your films. It's The Ghost Breakers from 1940. A movie very close to my heart. Oh, it's amazing. But not... Not so close now, but still close. <laughs> still a little bit More close. More like to the left of my heart now. <laughs> did you have an alternate title? I did. Um, who are you going to call the operator to call? <laughs> call the operator. Because <laughs> uh, it's 1940. Yeah. And the mystery of black and white island. <laughs> black and white. And Cuban. My, my alternate title was the ghost breakers. Never trust a Cuban. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The, like the one that you weren't supposed to trust ended up being trustworthy. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, but I'll give a quick quick synopsis. A radio broadcaster, his quaking manservant, and an heiress investigate the mystery of a haunted castle in Cuba. Pretty succinct. Very succinct. Uh, like actually, when we go through the acts, we can, we can elaborate somewhat further on it. This is a great film. This is Bob Hope. You did enjoy it? Yeah. Oh, good. It's, it's a Bob Hope movie. And I actually, like, I've been aware of Bob Hope's stuff, but I've never really been exposed to his stuff. Yeah. I've seen, like, his t- some of some, like, skits from his TV shows and, like, some, some of his singing stuff, but, like, none of his films. This is my first Bob Hope film. This was my favorite Bob Hope film. I've seen some others. I can't really remember them much the other one is um the cat and the canary which had paulette goddard and and um bob hope together uh just prior to this yeah 1939 and it was a big hit so the studio was sort of looking to recreate that magic Mm. and here we are 1940 i can't remember the cat and canary much though unfortunately oh you had seen it i was asking was that one of your films it's got a cat in it it is one of my (laughs) films (laughs) <laughs> that might be why um, But I can't for the life of me remember what was in it I just remember oh. I liked it Oh yeah, okay So we'll revisit that later on mm. But yeah, 1940 This was the same year as um, Charlie Chaplin's The Great Dictator And this was all wartime stuff, hey mm, Yeah So um, so I guess there was probably a bit of Well, there didn't seem to be any undertones going on in the film 
Yeah, yeah. that stuff goes over my head anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, like 1940, there's definitely war like going on. I was wondering if it's just escapism at this point. I would say so. But then again, yeah. movies have always been escapism. I think that um, just a different type these days. Yeah. <laughs> We need to escape the planet now. Uh, but um, yeah, so it was in 1940. Were there any films during that period apart from Yeah, it was, um, it was actually The Great Dictator, which was really successful. Mm. Like 9 million Brits went and saw that. <laughs> like yeah. they loved it. Um, but also there was Grapes of Wrath, uh, John Ford, uh, Rebecca, and my favorite actor actually aside from Harris Ford, is James Stewart. And he won that f- oh. Best Actor in Philadelphia Story. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was, that was a big year. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Uh, good old James Stewart. But it's it's all about Bob Hope with this movie. And yeah. he's, he's massive. Um, he is the he's, driving force of the film. Yeah, he's like this massive career of comedy, like 54 feature films, yeah. 80 years of just nonstop doing it. Like... <laughs> Yeah, the Bob Hope Show on NBC from 1952 to 1979. Mm. And although, like, he hosted the Academy Awards 19 times, he actually never won, like, an (laughs) Academy Award (laughs) competitively. But he won five honorary Academy Awards. So, he was loved. He's your sort of American comedy staple. Yeah. Well, he he did have a long and illustrious career in entertainment and philandering. I I mean, uh, philanthropy (laughs) uh, as well. So... um, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, very, very well known. Uh, I don't know about period. that side of him. Yeah. Oh, you know, well, there's always a bit of gossip. Oh, Apparently gossip. cheated on all his wives and oh. all of that type of stuff. Yeah. Oh, okay. But, you know, that's that's par for the course, isn't it? For an entertainer <laughs> in those days. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all right move. all i can think about is bill, Cros- Sorry? bill cosby bill, bill. all i can think about is bill cosby <laughs> and everything seems that's, okay compared to that. that yeah <laughs> that's i don't think that that is classed as philandering i think that's no. classed as something completely different oh god um yeah but this was directed by george marshall and I was looking at his, at his filmography, and he has more films than I can even count. Yeah. And he worked with Jerry Lewis, Laurel and Hardy, and Bob Hope. So, oh, wow. he worked okay. with a lot of the great comedic um, actors of the time. Mm. And it, and the music was by Ernst Toch, or Toch. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it. I'm getting it terrible. But, um, yeah, he wrote the music, which, you know, seemed pretty par for the course of the time. But he had a very interesting uh, history. He um, was originally from Vienna and went into exile during World War II. Oh, wow. Uh, to Paris, then London, and then New York. And he was a composer writing symphonies and and uh, made most of his money through writing music for films and um, and being a lecturer So and oh, writing books. So That's amazing. Yeah, he, had, he had a very interesting side history that um when i had a look into was was quite interesting he did a great job on this i liked it yeah it it um uh, it does work for the film i i, I feel um the end music was really nice it was really mm, yeah lovely yeah it, it certainly was um memorable it wasn't wasn't the stock standard um for the mm. time which is very just continuously dramatic it seems or not dramatic at all yeah but funny you mentioned jerry lewis because later on in 1953 uh they say this was a remake in scared stiff Mm. uh it was with dean martin as well and it was sort of it was based on a play apparently and there were two silent films made before this (laughs) so and i don't know the story doesn't strike me as like 
it's not groundbreaking <laughs> in terms <laughs> of like narrative. Yeah, there's, um, it, it really is sort of like um, those mo- comedy movies that you have now where you rely on the the ad libbing and the one liners from from the main cast. Yeah, the leading comedic going. actors. Yeah, yeah, really. But this was great because of Bob Hope and um, Paulette Goddard. Actually, I'd love to see who did an amazing job. I'm just thinking, I'd love to see this as an Adam Sandler film <laughs> to see what it yeah. would turn out. <laughs> only, <laughs> only to hear about, not actually to watch, just to, <laughs> just to read about. <laughs> oh, he's dropped off the planet, hasn't he? <laughs> no, I can't remember the last time. No, I saw he's on Netflix. Film. He's completely oh. tied up with Netflix, yeah. Oh, what's he doing now? Uh, comedy films. I don't know. I just know oh. uh, they're comedy films on Netflix. Um, I remember seeing that video game film he did. I don't remember what it was called. Uh, like it was Pixels, pa- I think it was Pixels. called. Pixels. <laughs> it wasn't too bad. Yeah. I haven't seen it. It had um <laughs> it had um the guy from Game of Thrones, um your favorite actor. Oh, Peter Dinklage. <laughs> yeah, Peter Dinklage. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's in it. Oh, yeah. That's right. He plays yeah, he's going up head to head with him. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> I found it creepy, though, that he teamed up. He just sort of signed on Michelle Mon- Montgomery or whatever her name is as his leading sort of lady in that. <laughs> it was just a bit creepy. Oh, really? Uh, I haven't yeah. seen it. I, um, but there's a significant age difference and he's still trying to be like oh. you know, the love interest for all of the oh. the things. Yeah, <laughs> that, that doesn't work. Um, yeah, so anyway, uh, Paulette Goddard, as you were saying, uh, plays Mary Carter in this Uh her name was originally Marion Levy, which is a pretty cool name. But yeah, she has received Academy Award nominations and she was married to Charlie Chaplin. Yeah. Um, and we were talking about this, you said in secret, uh, <laughs> but I didn't realize it was in secret. But then again, considering we both found it in different sources, I guess it wasn't. <laughs> not that secret. <laughs> not anymore. Um, and yeah, he was fr- she was friends with Andy Warhol. Oh wow! Well. Okay, yeah, she she's had a long long history. Um, she's quite wealthy, and um, uh, both her and Bob Hope starred in Captain Canary together. Yeah, previously, yeah. So, and then we have um Willie Best who plays Alex. He's the um, yeah, and he's the uh, <laughs> the um, he's he's the, the manservant. Yeah, he's the, the manservant. Uh, and uh, he stars. He's starred in 124 films. Oh wow! Really? Yeah, something cra- some crazy crap, number. Wow. Yeah. So, and he died of cancer uh, at 45 in 1962. So that's a bit sad. Um, but uh, the one bit of thing, the trivia that I had on him was that after a drug arrest, it ended his film career. Yeah, <laughs> but thought, he, oh, he still got into TV after that, apparently. Oh, I bit. see. Okay. But yeah, so that um, that's all I could really find on him. But I liked him. He, I really enjoyed him in this, even though he was playing somewhat of a. He was the straight guy, sort of. Yeah, oh, but also, yeah. Yeah, but I, I think he, yeah, I, I thought he was good. Mm. I liked him. Yeah, me too. Yeah, so that's basically all I had for this. I didn't have a great deal of background. I, yeah, I me really too. Find too much. It's 1940, so yeah. there's not as much stuff out there. I think there was a war on or something during that period. It was World War... Which one was it again? Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully the last one. I think but, it was the um, sequel. <laughs> the sequel. Sorry, that's I was going to ask, how has this movie touched you? I love this. I watched it all the time. It was another one of those tapes where I remember what the... 
you know, it was one of those recorded off TV tapes. So ah. we had all of these different labels on our on our cassette tapes, and some of them had stuff crossed out. Some of it was written in pencil. Some of it was written in pen. I remember this one, I believe, was written in pencil and it had faded over time from watching it so many times and grabbing it off the shelves. Oh, wow, cool. And, um, yeah, this really was a great source of my interest in the supernatural horror films. Yeah. Uh, well, ghosts to start with. Um, I loved, uh, you know, there's a ghost scene in this and a lot of the time there are movies that have ghosts but they're not ghosts. Mm. There's an explanation for them and then sometimes there are ghosts that are actually ghosts. And this was a bit of a mix of the two. So I really um I really loved this film for that reason. But also there was a comedy elements to it as well that I really enjoyed. So yeah, this was one of the originators of my interest in in um supernatural horror films, really. Supernatural. Supernatural. <laughs> Superstition. <It> a- <laughs> supernatural. Wasn't that How a old game you? or something called that? Oh. Um I I I think I was probably pretty young when I watched this, like um, ish sort of. Probably earlier, I reckon. Oh, yeah, so very yeah. quite young. It's quite um, yeah. There's like it's sort of yeah, very confronting when the ghost appears. I was gonna ask, like, did that leave any memories? Oh, absolutely. To be honest, I think I was more scared of the zombie than I was of the ghost. But oh, I it's loved, awful. Hey, but yeah, I love the ghost. Um, mm. coming up, I would wait for that moment and you'd hear the, the clock chime 12 and then the music sort of that creepy music comes in and you see it suddenly emerge and walk around. I love oh, that. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah but I yeah, didn't even realize it was midnight, but yeah, now that you mention it, yeah, there was, it was ringing. Yeah, it was great. It had a nice blend of comedy and scares and, and really this movie had everything for me. It had dark and stormy nights. You know, it starts off with the dark storm. There's murder, mm. romance zombies ghosts secret entrances and puzzles and even buried treasure at the end so it was it's really, really compacted in yeah, too. it's really it's tight unit all, yeah and um uh some of the jokes i never really got until now <laughs> yeah. i never really i never really realized how much how colorblind i was um <laughs> well it was black times. and white yeah, that's that's right. That's what I meant. That is exactly what I meant. I stick to that. Like, I didn't get any of those, any of the references. I didn't mm. even realize what the references were referencing to. But it was very tongue in cheek, and I I think this is Bob Hope's style as well. Yeah. From what I I was going to ask you, have you seen any of his other stuff? Because I have not. Uh, I haven't seen much that I remember. I've seen bits and pieces, but I haven't seen anything that I can sort of bring to mind. So I can't mm. say. It, it seems watching this with the um, sort of the stuff of the time that um, there seemed to be sort of a a bit of uh, what would you call self awareness. Mm. Would you agree with that? Or I haven't seen much around this time. I'm trying to think of any other. Well, films I'm that just I've seen. sort of talking more about this movie itself because oh. I think you might have been more attuned to that than I. I was. no, I definitely felt that he handled it sort of well because, like, it was it was handled in a sort of lighter vein. There was stuff that was it was very tongue in cheek, mm. but he he sort of he gave it integrity through comedy, if that yeah. makes sense, yeah. because. Um, yeah, he's aware of it and he's just saying it as it's as a punchline, you know? Yeah. And, <laughs> it's and it's a I joke. Think, 
even even the um you know how you're saying there's a quote you weren't a big fan of i think wouldn't it be that even that quote is a self-referential quote Mm, yeah yeah no absolutely it's all done with awareness in this it's not um it's not done in a derogatory manner Mm. but whether or not that sort of makes it any more comfortable (laughs) yeah i don't know (laughs) i don't know yeah exactly i mean yeah but uh, I still It's like watching, watching these black comedies nowadays where they're crossing these similar lines. Mm. That would have been what it was like back in the 40s. Yeah. Like it's crossing all of these lines and you feel pretty uncomfortable. You do. You don't know how you don't know how to react to it, do you? Because you watch <laughs> you watch it now. It's funny because it's of, delivered so well. But. Yeah. But you you but you're aware of the time, but I'm not deeply knowledgeable about this stuff, so I don't know how I must admit I don't know being older how to take some of that comedy and some of the references that are going on during the movie. But I know that when I was a kid, I would have just laughed. Yeah. Not thinking about any of that stuff. Mm. Um, but Were yeah. you inspired by his comedy, do you think? Uh, not consciously. No. Um, no. I enjoyed it, but um, I really was a fan of Mark's Brothers comedy more than anything else, I think. Yeah. Um, in terms of black and white films. And I liked mm. Abbott and Costello as well, but I think Marx Brothers was really where my interest in those, that type of comedy lay, Monty Python and Marx Brothers. Yeah. Um, yeah but how did you find this? Oh, no, I thought it was really good. I enjoyed it. But I guess we should get onto the acts so yeah. we can start digging in. Yeah. So um, my act one was Welcome Back Carter and Lawrence. Lawrence. <laughs> Welcome back, Carter. Is that the thing? That's the reference. Carter, Car- as in Mary <laughs> yeah, yeah. Carter. But the TV show Carter, right? <laughs> yeah, it was. Welcome back. Let's, welcome back. Yeah, welcome let's be back. very. Let, let's bring it out. Let's really <laughs> completely destroy any humor that would have been associated with that. As much as I delivered it perfectly, I it's tell. just so random that it's what? Like I, I find it funny. I love that show. <laughs> my act was oh wait is this a comedy i should hope not hope oh, hope not <laughs> i see what you did there <laughs> what you're saying is, is that you're really positive about it that's right isn't it? <laughs> well i thought it was gonna be a horror film on the ghost back oh song. really <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with bob hope <laughs> grizzly horror film going. with bob hope well, it starts off with the 40s intro and these ghost-like fonts and dramatic orchestral score and, yeah. you know... And that, <laughs> that dim those background uh, yeah. haunted mansion. Yeah, yeah. And like Manhattan with the cool lightning and... Yeah, it starts off with a dark and stormy night. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, perfect. But, oh, it's the 40s, all right, because immediately with the dialogue, hold it, sister. <laughs> yeah. Lights a cigarette off her candle. Oh, oh yeah, that's God. right. Oh, that's just, uh, what was this? What was that guy's name? It was um, <laughs> just some porter, like Husky Williams or something. Oh, like Raspy, 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 Husky. Just like Christmas, ain't it? <laughs> yeah. Nice night for a murder. How do you know? <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah, so there's there's a foreshadowing there. I like that. Yeah, yeah, and there's so many one-liners in this. They just come hard and fast. Yeah, very uh, witty. This film, yeah, um, and some of it. Yeah, it's okay. Some of it is quite funny. And some mm. of it I've looked up and have has been a well-known quote. Uh, like the, there's a Democrat joke in there. 
Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's when we're at, like, we're first introduced to Mary Carter, who yeah. is um, just inherited uh, a mansion on Black Island. Um, black you know, Island, I think I belong there. Is it full of black people? <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually don't think that that's why it was called black island i looked it up in real life it's not a real place <laughs> <laughs> i must admit oh, i i didn't do that i never expected it to be a real place i just thought black island was meant to mean as in it's a it's a not a very nice place <laughs> yeah not um i wasn't taking it in that direction <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, so she's inherited this very mysterious uh, castle, and yeah. you, this is when they introduce the themes of superstition mm. and supernatural. And uh, and she's getting phone calls um, where there's all there's mystery about it, and people are offering to buy the mansion and warning yeah. her against actually going there. It's dangerous, and she yeah, there's a lot of foreshadowing of danger. About yeah, this place. it's very dramatic. I liked all that, but the morals that I if drew Black away. Black Island wasn't enough. <laughs> yeah, Black Island, but the morals I drew away was yeah, really just never trust a Cuban. <laughs> those those Cubans can't trust them. Moral <laughs> number two: always keep a cigarette lighter on your chest at all times. <laughs> yeah, did you see that thing? No. What was that thing around her neck? It was like a oh, cigarette was, lighter. Oh, did she have a cigarette lighter around her neck? <laughs> I don't know what that was. Oh, but... <laughs> I just figured jewelry. Yeah, jewelry. But we're sort of simultaneously introduced to Bob Hope's character, yeah. Lawrence Lawrence Lawrence. Yeah, that's right. So, <laughs> so that's his name, Lawrence Lawrence. Um, and his porter, Alex. Alex. Yeah, because there's a black and of course guy. he's a he's a porter because he's black. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and... Um, I liked his line though. Speak up! I can't hear you in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> at that point he hadn't fully clicked for me like i was watching it pretty late last night yeah hadn't clicked on me that it wasn't horror when oh right <laughs> so, you... <laughs> so when, the, when the jokes start coming in you're not sure whether to take them as jokes no i laughed at that he said speak up i can't hear you in the dark <laughs> over the intercom and then the guy's like raspy voice and his name is raspy yeah <laughs> it's introduced as raspy That's right. and they go oh it's a comedy and he goes you don't mind do you he's like raspy's grabbed a handful of his cigarettes and bob hope goes oh do you don't mind do you takes one of his cigarettes back and it's like oh yes this is gonna be a great comedy <laughs> <laughs> do you know what i didn't get any of those jokes. Oh, no. I didn't even notice any of them. Oh, I, because uh, you've seen it so many times? I've seen it so many times that a lot of the jokes that are jokes that you would get as jokes, I don't get. Like that, oh. I can't hear you in the dark, straight over my head. Oh, really? <laughs> nice. Yeah, all okay. of that stuff. Just There are bits I, I got, but a lot of it was just straight over my head. And like he goes to Raspy when he's like, he's not shouting. He goes, shh, don't shout. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> As a little kid, I was like, yeah, he's talking too loud. <laughs> Didn't even get it. <laughs> Match, blowtorch. <laughs> it's like so fast. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and he goes, you're like a blackout in a blackout. Oh, my God. 
Yeah, oh, I know. <laughs> and this is when it comes, man. This is when it starts. And I may have just written down all of these punchlines in reaction to like, I don't know how to react. So I'll just, <laughs> yeah. I'll just regurgitate the punchline. I, I have been waiting to get your views on stuff. I don't know how to react. It's funny. Yeah. Blackout in a blackout. It's very clever, yeah. but it's still kind of like, oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I pause to take notes, like, you know, I'm just scribbling stuff down oh, yeah, and I yeah. pause just before the paint white comment. I didn't even write that down. We should paint oh, yeah, white. Yeah. Oh. If this keeps up, I'm going to have to paint you white. Oh, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know when it crosses the line. There yeah, is a line there that's, somewhere. That's, that's it, isn't it? It's just like, I don't know how to take that. We'll just keep going. <laughs> And it doesn't get better because at this point, um, Mary Carter's just getting undressed. <laughs> She's just like, just whips off her clothes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did, but did that, that's, how to in, that's how to connect the dots between him and her is that um, she's listening to him on the radio as she's getting changed. <laughs> okay, it's subliminal. Um, gotcha. Yeah, I think... he's doing his coffee ad. Yeah. Let's you sleep, keeps you awake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's talking about coffee that he hates. Cronin coffee. <laughs> um, but yeah, th- that once again, I didn't even notice that either. Her just taking off her clothes. Oh, again, because it keeps happening as a thing during it does. this whole film. It does, doesn't Any it? Any excuse, I think. Yeah. Yeah, they, it, they even had the cliched... Uh, running away, tearing a dress in this film. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of that stuff straight over my head. Yeah. Straight over my head. How do you feel now about it? Oh, you know, she's lovely. I thought she was amazing. I really, really liked yeah, her. Yeah, I thought so too. I thought she was great. Um, I thought that her and him worked really well together. So, um, so well. Because uh, it wasn't a... They, they were working off each other. Instead oh, of against each yeah. other, often, mm. like I would think, when I think about a lot of comedies, you've got when you have a male and female, um, often the dynamic is more of a conflict than it is of a uh, partnership. Oh. Whereas in this, like when even when they're first introduced and there is that level of conflict, it doesn't last for a very long, and she's trying to help him and. There, yeah, there seems to be more of them working off each other than there is any type of conflict between the two, which I yeah. thought was really positive in a way. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I love that about this too. What's an example of a conflict film where you've seen that? Um, all right, Ghostbusters. The relationship, Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver and her relationship with um, Bill Murray starts out in conflict. Mm. She thinks he's an idiot. Yeah. Maybe that's a Bill Murray thing, though, because Bill Murray in Groundhog Day is the same sort of douchebag character. Yeah, that's true. All right, we'll pick a pick a non-Bill Murray comedy film. Adam Sandler, Pixar. Is that... Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not going to go there. I was actually hoping you would cut that out, but now you can't. <laughs> um, Terminator, that's a good comedy. <laughs> Groundhog Day is one of my favorites, really. Yeah, but there's a that's a that's that is an example. Um, there's something about Mary. Maybe that's an example. That's an interesting example. Um, Blazing Saddles. There isn't really a relationship space, in that. Spaceballs. 
there isn't really oh yeah well there you go that's conflict status of conflict mm. so i had um lawrence 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 my folks had no imagination <laughs> yeah that's me too <laughs> so what happens is um Lawrence 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 does a radio broadcast where he knows a lot of gangsters. So he um, he reads stories about the gangsters that he gets sort of um, inside information, inside information yeah. from Raspy. And uh, apparently he gets the story a little wrong. And uh, the gangster who's listening in expecting to hear a story that he likes is not quite happy. So he uh, calls Lawrence to come and have a little talk. Mm. And uh, Lawrence is scared. He thinks he might get killed. So he brings a gun with him. And uh, when he gets to the floor, which just so happens to be the floor of Mary Carter and uh, the Cuban, Mr. Parada. So you never know this guy. He He's introduced Mr. Parada. We should actually give them names. <laughs> yeah, because it gets quite convoluted. It does. Uh, so Mr. Parada. Is- it's good though. It's good stacking. It's sort of ideal sort of comedy setup where everything's sort of happening at once and he gets thrust in the middle. So I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Yeah, it does have its plot points that kind of develop develop as, as things go on. There's a lot of coincidence that occurs in terms of him being in the room and that's how he gets connected to her. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, so Mr. Parada is in his room and some mysterious guy walks up to the door lawrence is just walking along walks past that guy and uh the um that guy in the hall says so you thought you're going to get away with it and he gets his gun out and mr parada gets his gun out and shoots him first which makes lawrence pull out his gun and shoot into the air and um he thinks he's actually hit the guy instead of mr parada Mm. so he thinks he's a killer and uh, a lady walks out of the room and sees him with with the gun and the guy falling down dead so he has to run off and he runs into the first open door which just so happens to be mary's room yeah and uh that's when at first there's that little bit of tension where he's holding a gun to her and uh explains what's happened that the guy was shooting at him so he shot and killed the guy and the police turn up and she hides him because uh yeah, he says, someday you may have a little boy that will grow up and commit an innocent murder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pretty good line. Um, so she hides him in his room, in her room. Police turn up and she doesn't realize that he's actually hidden in her luggage. Yeah. So while she is um, trying to keep the police looking in the right direction, um, a porter comes along and takes the luggage. Yeah. So she doesn't realize what's happened until later. Yeah. And uh, Alex shows up looking for his boss. And um, and that's when we realize what's happened and we cut to the pier. Yeah, I had one line just before that um, where the paramedics come in. He's the most lax paramedics ever. <laughs> He's going, hi, Lieutenant. Is he dead? Yeah, you tell me. <laughs> you tell me. And and they're down there for a while, you know. Well, he's having they're a just sort of strolling. Yeah, they're, and they're having a chat. Uh, the policeman's having a chat with the lady who's telling him the story and it takes like a good two minutes and then the <laughs> the medical guy stands up and goes my guy's dead that's it i don't i don't know how long it takes to check a pulse but no i'm sure that was intended i thought it was very funny <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> well, I didn't I didn't see that as funny. I saw that as the straight part of the film. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, but um, I think that to me, that's the first act, really. Yeah. Where all the characters are introduced, or at least all the main characters. And then there's a lot mm. of side characters that kind of pop in as with things go along. Well, like, it sort of carries on until, you know, they're on the pier. And like once he's on the boat, I guess, that's when he's there's no turning back. Yeah. And it's got Alex going, you know, hey boss, hey boss. Yeah, so he's knocking he's knocking on all the trunks looking for looking for Lawrence. Hey boss. That's, that's... I'm gonna start calling you boss. Yeah, well, well... <laughs> Okay. Boss, yes boss. Yes sir. Okay. <laughs> what do you say, boss? Are you are you my old family detainer? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so um so anyway, uh, this is where I called it Act Two. So um, it's I've been around for trunks for twenty years now. Oh, okay. Or there seems to be a lot of people going to Cuba. <laughs> I just said, uh, don't get your hopes up yet. <laughs> uh, am I am I to expect Act Three to contain a hope reference? <laughs> Are you hoping for the best? <laughs> I don't have a lot of prep time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's that's where that's where um, Alex is knocking on the thing, and finally um, he finds him uh, hidden in the in the trunk. I just thought it stacked up really well because he's he's dragged off onto this boat against his will. She gets another uh, mysterious note: "Death awaits you." So, yeah, it's stacking the comedy. And this is my, my sort of the cues for good comedy for me. Sort of he's, he's taken against his will onto this boat. And there's no turning back. And there's another note from this mysterious person. Yeah. Death awaits you. Yeah, and that's great. I do like the, I do remember the clip where the, um, the luggage hits the side of the boat and almost, <laughs> he almost falls out of it, yeah. which I thought was great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so she's getting, she keeps getting uh, death threats. Yeah. And Parada follows her. Yeah, that's right. He, he turns up on the boat as well. Um, and that's how um, Lawrence hears about a phone call that was occurring between her and Parada. So suspicion mm. is abounding. He finally gets out of the trunk and. Um, but yeah, he sees her the note at that point, the death awaits you, and he steps up to save Mrs. Carter. I thought that was good. Miss Carter. And he goes down and sees them and he, he goes, I'm a ghostbreaker. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's <right>. gold. <laughs> yep. And yeah, so he um he basically gets on board to make sure that she's okay. Uh, but before that, he realizes that he wasn't the person who actually... Uh, he didn't actually kill the guy because um, his gun was a different caliber. Yeah, that's true. Um, because they see, it in the, they see it in the paper. So, he still has the option to leave the boat. But once he realizes she's in trouble, he decides to, to tag along to make sure that she's okay. Well, he steps up and goes for it. And I, one thing I noted here was there's in this comedy, there's a lot of comedy about the lack of comedy. Earlier on, there was a receptionist um, line. Oh, you were wonderful if you're any judge. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's on the phone and he goes, I'll think of something. <laughs> he doesn't have a line to like a witty repertoire. Oh, right. I, or whatever the word is. Do you know what? That's another one that I never got. <laughs> But then there's a silence between Mr. Parada and um, him. And he goes, a good laugh would be worth a lot of money at this point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
<laughs> so gold. But I thought sort of breaking that fourth wall a little bit. Yeah, I, I thought um, whenever I heard that, I thought it meant was referring to how serious the conversation. Oh, had okay, yeah. Because the the sound of the horn blowing. I don't know. It's almost like they use it to bring tension. Yeah, yeah. When that horn blows, and uh, he's talking about all the slaves that were murdered on the um, on the island and the darkness <laughs> yeah. of the island and all of that type of stuff. So, so there's a lot of reference to the darkness and evil on that island, um, uh, and that's when that line pops in. And then once yeah. again, it's another one of those lines that um, I took in completely different way because I'm. A lot of the jokes I'm taking as plot point uh, items rather than as jokes, it oh, seems, yeah. because of how much I've watched it. I, <laughs> I, I don't even think of them as funny. Did you watch this with your bro as well? Yeah, I think, yeah. though, I preferred watching this a lot more than he did. Oh. So, this is one I like to watch a lot of my own as well. Oh, yeah. And I found him really likable. Things like when um, he he gets attempted to be killed and he doesn't he sort of runs up to find the bad guys but then he runs back and and she's like oh chills are running down my back and he goes yeah they must have run over from mine yeah. <laughs> you know he's not the macho alpha he's really that's likeable. true yeah he's uh, he's really not um he's running to the rescue but he's not playing this alpha male oh, nothing gets of. to me yeah, yeah yeah i like how when she's getting stressed he he tries to play up, um, turns the music on, and and this is where I was referring to how they work off each other because like the mu- he turns the radio on and pretends to to be at a dance and she plays along with him, and they work off each other instead of um, her saying what are you doing you're being silly do you know what I mean yeah that was yeah no absolutely that was one of my favorite bits of the film um he sort of starts with saying we'll start with an old-fashioned and bring it up to date yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as the drink but she was so great the dance scene that it's just pure fiction he creates this world you know um he's at the vice president yeah that's right and, and they have this little recurring thing keep dancing yeah keep dancing. they sort of swap <laughs> I thought that was amazing because <laughs> she just goes with it. It's not like, you know, it's it's completely purely fiction, but she actually runs with it. Yeah, and and, you know. and she gives him a backstory and he gives her a backstory and mm. um, they work off each other. And So, so great. Yeah. I love that. While they managed to keep the humor, they also managed to keep, I guess, the tension in a way because once the horn blows again, she kind of cracks at that point. Yeah. So there is an emotion there and... And you can see that a connection is being established between the two. I would say this is probably one of the most natural sort of, you know, you'll watch a lot of relationship movies and they do start with that tension just to show that over time they can't, that tension breaks down and they get together. Whereas in this, they sort of work off each other and you can see it more naturally, the relationship develops. Yeah, it was amazing. I hadn't really seen it in this way before just the way it sort of evolved in just one scene. It was very nice. Yeah. And at this point, Alex finds a way out and Lawrence agrees and you can see her disappointment in her face. Yeah. But she still says goodbye to them and like she's, um, you know, he's about to leave, but then he changes. It's not subtle. He goes, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not subtle, <laughs> but it has the same effect. It sort of brings you on board with the characters because he is sticking around for her. Yeah. And he also, like, once again, not playing the alpha male, he tries to almost ask her out as he's leaving. <laughs> yeah. 
It was very cute. And yeah, yeah he, he tries to say something uh, nice and then he kind of gives up halfway through because <laughs> it's not working. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but then she refers to it later when um, uh, she calls him up on the phone because she thinks someone's outside the room. Yeah, the dialogue is amazing in this. Yeah. So, yeah, I really like the dynamic there. Yeah, and I, I like it. Um, what happens is she's lying in bed and she sees a shadow across her window and she gets scared and calls him up. He goes, that's just Alex. We tossed a coin for the night shift and I lost. So. <laughs> that's nice, yeah. <laughs> he always sees the darkest side of everything. Yeah. He was born during an eclipse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's but then right. there was that line, I guess they re- finally reached Cuba and um, there's this guy, Jeff, who's sort of mysteriously, yeah. you know, shows up. And he's like the dashing man. Yeah. He's like full of confidence and well-spoken and he really tries to come onto her quite strong <laughs> yeah. in a lot of ways. Like he's saying a lot of compliments that are quite overt. Yeah. For, for the time, I reckon, anyway. And um, But zombies are brought up <laughs> and that surprised me a little bit. Um, but there was that... Yeah, they talk about voodoo. The voodoo and zombies and that came out of nowhere. But is, there's the... The classic lead up to the joke yeah. has no will of its own walking around yeah, blindly it's... with dead eyes, following orders, <laughs> not knowing what they do, not caring. You mean like Democrats? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah. 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 And uh, you you can see that line anywhere you go. If you just search um, yeah. Bob Hope one-liners, that'll pop yeah, up yeah. as well. <laughs> it's that setup. Yeah. So that's when, um, uh, so this guy, Jeff Montgomery invites them to go dancing Mm. and, uh, she, she goes with Jeff, uh, he's invited, but he doesn't actually come. Um, so instead of doing the, uh, I'm going to stick with her and, you know, try to make sure that, you know, we hook up, uh, he goes off to the Island first to make sure that, um, that everything is safe. Mm. It's very admirable. Mm. And during that time, Jeff is basically saying everything he can to ask her to dance and all of that. <laughs> it's very smooth, but it's very smarmy, sort of. Yeah. Greasy. He's got the moustache. <laughs> it really works. But then we find the twin uh, of the guy that got killed. I don't know his name. Uh, Francisco. Francisco. Maderos. <laughs> Maderos, that's it. Okay. So, Ramon Maderos was the guy that got killed by Parada and Francisco is um, his brother and he doesn't know what's happened or why he was killed and he he's uh, demanding from her to know what she knows. And the thing that never really... I, I thought it was going to be resolved at one point. There was this fat guy that she kept bumping into. Who was he in all of this? I actually don't think you... I think it was a red herring. Oh, it was. Okay. I think it was just um, Francisco just knows this guy, and yeah, it uh, unless there was something, but you never. It's never quite clear that it was actually him. Oh, actually, now now I know what it is. What it is is he's being set up as the guy who they think is the bad guy, because Uh-oh. you find out later that he's not the bad guy. Remember how they he dropped the bucket. Mm. Someone dropped the bucket to kill. Um, Bob and then you see him in the fog, and then you and then he runs into him in the fog. Mm. So you think, ah, it must have been this guy. Yeah, and then he knows Francisco because he comes along while while they're having an argument. So 
Francisco is having an argument with her, uh, this guy... And he comes in and says, oh, you have to meet Dolores. She's <laughs> she's wonderful. You know Dolores. She knows all the boats. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. Like, after the scene ends and, like, Mary runs off and it cuts back to the fat guy <laughs> in Francisco. Is that his name? Yeah. And there actually was a Dolores. <laughs> yeah, there was a Dolores. Just sitting and there. And, yeah, and that's right. And and Francisco uh, sees that what happens is Jeff goes off to get a drink, I think. And while he he he's away, she runs off to go to the island as well. And Francisco sees that and stands up and follows. And Dolores goes to follow. As well. just love that. And the fat guy just goes, no, nah, stay here. <laughs> oh, I love the fact that there was a Dolores. <laughs> they were all yeah. just sitting there waiting. Looking over. (laughs) (laughs) And to me, that is when it all shifts to the island. Act three. Mm. So, what did you have for act three? I had hope against all hope. (gasps) (laughs) I was trying to be dramatic. (laughs) (laughs) I just had to take a moment to process what you were saying. (laughs) And, you know, just look in and think about it. No, nothing there. <laughs> just, just hope on. You could say that uh, you could hope for the best. <laughs> Not all Get hope it. is lost. Get it, uh, Bob Hope and Willie Best. Oh, for the best. That's his yeah. name. Yeah, yeah, nice. <laughs> that went over my head too. Well, it's funny because uh, my act three was waiting for Goddard. Oh, nice. Paulette Goddard. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. I didn't do. I didn't do the hope. I did. Um, <laughs> nice. I did one that was even more obscure. <laughs> and you see them later on in the rowboat and as they're approaching the island. It's very creepy. Yeah, and the spookiness begins. Yeah. Black Island, so, so creepy. I actually actually had to stop the movie at this point because I was watching it last night before bed and it was so scary, man. I was. Oh, really? Yeah. You found it scary? I found wow. It, yeah. You see the guess- zombie? It was really freaky looking. Yeah, so what happens is they get to the island and they get off their boat. And when we say boat, it's like a little rowboat. And uh, we should say that throughout the whole thing, Alex is a very nervous manservant. Yeah. Which is why he always sees the darker side of things. He was born during an eclipse (laughs) because he's just, he's fearful and afraid the whole way through. So, but he still follows along the whole time. Yeah, he's so loyal. Yep, loyal and actually ends up being an MVP uh, in the end. But yeah, so once they arrive, they see a little shack and a light coming through and they look in and from there you can see just lying on a on a bed looking like a dead body, the zombie. Mm, so creepy looking. So that's the point where I, I stopped and I restarted this morning. <laughs> the light of day. So, uh, so I used to love the spooky home and, and then the actual mansion itself. Oh, yeah. It looked incredible. Yeah, really, really creepy. Um, and there were bats. Yeah, is, nice. You could see the wires. fake bats. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was probably the worst effect of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but the music was really added to this, um, the creepiness of that mansion. Yeah, um, yeah. It felt very Scooby Doo. It just reminded me it of Scooby Doo. It did, didn't it? Yeah. It did. Really Scooby Doo. <laughs> um, 
And I like uh, Alex because he's the sort of straight guy. He validates the comedy of Bob Hope. Like without Alex there, Bob Hope would just be so sort of just, you know, there's nothing, he's just doing his thing, but he needs Alex there to sort of yeah, to, work off. to witness that. <laughs> yeah, but they, they work off each other in terms of jokes as well because yeah. even though uh, Alex is, uh, is portrayed as as a very nervous manservant, so is Bob Hope mm. as well. He's he's you know talking about how nervous and scared he is. He um, Alex goes, "What do you hope to get out of it?" And oh, goes, I had Puff. that line, <laughs> but that was a little bit later because um, yeah. you see the ghosts at that point before that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And it looked creepy, man. Uh, yeah, that was great. So so what happens is they walk in and they see this big picture on the wall, and it's actually a picture of Miss Carter. But it's actually her great-great-grandmother. Mm. And um, they go walking around exploring stuff. And um, Alex is downstairs and Bob Hope's upstairs looking down and they hear the clock strike 12. Mm. And that's when the music plays. And I really thought that the ghost, that beginning bit where it kind of is amorphous, you know, it's not clear what it is. And then it sort of takes form into an actual person yeah wow that's good so so good this is 1940 yeah they did an amazing job on that yeah and then uh once it sort of goes back into its box bob hope thinks it's fake and runs down and opens it up and there's a skeleton in there mm. and there's no no strings attached yeah yeah so, um, but even seeing that skeleton that would have been like very confronting for a child yeah, it was scary, mm. but a good scary. Yeah. I liked it. Mm. Um, I loved all of that. You know, like they had coffins with mummified remains in them. And yeah, it was just awesome. I wanted to explore that mansion oh, so badly. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> yeah, when I was young. You know, I wanted to see more of the mansion. Mm. Um, because there's a few set pieces in there. There's like the big entryway. There's an upstairs bedroom. And there's like these sort of crypt-like places. and It's like organ. a dungeon, really, because there were chains. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and then there's a dungeon even further down, yeah, mm. which is um, dungeon and mine. So, you weren't stuff. really afraid? It was more of like curious. I would say that I probably was afraid to start with, but uh, it got to a point where when I was watching it, and this is when I was still young, I guess it was kind of a combination of a little bit scared but really excited mm. every time the ghost would come out or the zombie would come out. So I liked the feeling of the... It felt sort of almost realistic in a way for a kid. Yeah. Oh, it was completely mysterious because he just sort of wanders about and goes back in and you don't really know what's going on. It's not like your, your zombie's after you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? which happens later but like this ghost appears and it's just like it's aimless sort of yeah it doesn't actually it doesn't do anything in terms of what you would expect a ghost to do in a movie where it's not chasing people down or or anything like that it's kind of just doing its rounds and Mm. then it goes back settles down it's almost like it does it around 12 o'clock each night and it just does the same thing over and over again yeah there's no the ghost isn't there just when they're occurring. It's sort of like this is must always happen at that time. Mm. And that's, they, they just so happen to see it. And that's when the line happens because, you know, Alex is very, very keen to get out of there. Yeah. And he goes, what are you going to get out of it by staying here? Heart failure. 
<laughs> and uh, they hear these creaky noises, and that's when they break the fourth wall again. We'll find that noise and oil it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Sort of challenging the tropes of the horror genre, and I didn't realize yeah. it, but that's what that foghorn was as well before the sort of... They're sort of challenging all of these these things that make horror horror. Yeah, like and switching it around to make it into comedy. Yeah, or at least trying to add a comedy. I don't think that they undermine it. No, just challenge. But they it. do call it out. Yeah, calling it out. Mm. And also, uh, what's undermining is that she swims in. <laughs> yeah, she does. Uh, <laughs> Any under- excuse to have her half dressed, I feel. Yeah. So she turns up in a swimsuit uh, because apparently no one's going to you know, uh, drop her off on the island. I can't imagine anything more terrifying in this world than swimming in that water in the dark yeah. <laughs> alone. Yeah. Just like onto this creepy island. Yeah. I think that they mentioned at some point, you know, didn't you know about the sharks? Yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So she turns up and she's got a little bag that has a dress in it. Yeah. Which doesn't stick around for very long. Because the zombie um, appears. So the old, la- so there's an old caretaker lady who wakes the zombie up, and the zombie goes off into the mansion, and that's when he appears. And she gives a War of the Worlds scream, but I like hers better. It was just like a little yelp. <laughs> it wasn't like a, a continuous yeah. hysterical <laughs> thing. Yeah, yeah, your ears are certainly protected a lot more. <laughs> but the dress tears at this point, and I'm like, Aah. yeah, that's right. She runs up the stairs, and the dress gets caught. On the stairs. <laughs> oh my god! I, I I never realized how cliche that was either. Um, but there is a reason for it, strangely enough, which is that. It forces her to get changed into... She finds the dress that's in the portrait. So, she (laughs) ends up dressing up just like the person in the portrait. But, you know, it didn't really have to tear for that to happen. (laughs) Oh, yes, it did. Sure, it did. That's when Alex says his his famous line, It ain't fried chicken. Yeah, that's right. That's right. (laughs) I'm glad you said that, not me. But um, yeah, so Alex and um, Lawrence and the zombie fight Duke it out, <laughs> which was pretty cool. Well, he goes, "What do you like? Do you?" I think it was related to a smell when they said that line. Oh, that's right. It? Yeah, the zombie was there, and uh, yeah, so they're looking around, and um, one of the knights, you know, like the suit of armor, comes to life, and it just so happened that's what the zombie's in. Yeah, and um, he's about to kill Bob Hope with a mace, and that's when he sees the spectre of the great great grandmother coming down the stairs, mm-hmm. which is actually uh, her dressed up. Yeah, and he and he goes straight for her, and that's when they stop him and uh, trap him in a closet. <laughs> well, it also locks Alex in with the zombie. I yeah, that's that right. gold. <laughs> and he goes, "Wait now!" <laughs> <laughs> so gold. The physical comedy is there as well as the wordplay. Yeah. And he always says, you stay here. He kept saying this throughout the whole film. You stay here. <laughs> Give a witty reason, you know. And like, and if you see something, you know. <laughs> but you have to stay here. And finally, it's with Mary at the end. Out here alone? Oh, no. She goes with him. <laughs> yes. And Alex comes back to the closet. Is you there, zombie? Is you still there? <laughs> and he's like... <laughs> I think he called him Zom. Zom, maybe, yeah. 
happen. Yeah. And that's when they go down to the crypts and discover the secret, which is... Well, they discover Parada's been died. murdered. Yeah, he dies and he gives yeah. them a clue. And they do the... Op- they do the open eye death. Oh, well. just an open eye. Oh, very last yeah, starfighter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, and yeah, but before he dies, he gives them um, a clue, a clue about the marching men, which turn out to be marching the musical men. notes, and then she can play. But these notes, they don't look anything like what she played. It was very discordant what she was playing. Yeah, I must admit, I had no idea what the the joining of those two. <laughs> But it opens the secret chamber further down. Yeah. And they go down and that's when they discover... They see Francisco walk down after them uh, with a gun and they think he's the bad guy. And the door behind them opens up and a hand comes through. Mm. Jeff. It's Jeff. Mm. And Jeff's the villain the all along. The dashing young man. Never trust a man with a mustache oh. unless it's Poirot. And here I was thinking it was the Cubans. That's right. You bl- you, you bigots. <laughs> racist. The whole way through, you're talking about these these Cubans, <laughs> and it's the white guy in the end with the mustache. And but uh, they yeah, get so away about- and they travel off with Francisco. Yeah. And oh, well, the I honeymoon. love the way that he dies, though, where the you know he's standing there with a gun and he got, he tells them to close their eyes before he kills them. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. And the <laughs> ground drops away from him because um. Alex pushed the wrong button upstairs. <laughs> Did I push the wrong button, boss? And uh, I love the scream of the guy going down into the water. Oh, it's just yeah. like this shrieking, high-pitched scream. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, and the, everyone lives happily ever after. Yeah, the honeymoon and the kiss and the end music. It's also great. Yeah. I loved it. It's very nicely put together film. Yeah. Really enjoyable to watch. How and, would you um, rate this on your nostalgia meter? Yeah, well, I'd give it a 9.0 on the nostalgia scale. Oh, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's uh, pretty high. It's pretty high. I don't want to give it the top because there are still those. I think one of them coming up would be one of the very top. Oh yeah, yeah. But that that's a uh, in the same vein. So revisiting really. this, do you have any final thoughts? Um, I still like, even though I must admit there were knowing more and being more politically, uh, correctly aware. I don't know how what you, how you'd put it, but um. Uh, I didn't know how to take some of the comedy in this, I must admit, but I still enjoyed the film. A lot of the lines still hold up. I really love the relationship between him, her, and Alex. And uh, yeah, I, I still love this film. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to see if I can get a copy of it because um, the version I watched wasn't very good quality. Oh. Because I, I really love this film. And, um, you know, talking about it with you is actually really good because I'm glad that you enjoyed it as well. I wasn't sure how you were going to take it. Oh, man, I really enjoyed this film. This is my first Bob Hope film. And I've seen his Kim and Skits in Later Life doing song and dance, but this really highlighted his comedy for me. Like, it was really amazing. Yeah, I feel like this was him in his prime. It was so natural. Like, he's really... His delivery is so amazing in the wordplay, the restraint, and he holds it really well. It's not over the top. It's not like crazy slapstick. Yeah. But there's some physicality there. So, I'm an overnight fan. So, thank you for this. Oh, great. But coincidentally, I started reading a book by Steve Kaplan, The Hidden Tools of Comedy. And he actually runs these comedy workshops 
Um, and his com- comedic heroes are Bob Hope <laughs> and oh, wow. Woody Allen and Marx Brothers. And he's got a bit of an ego, so I'm sort of flicking through a little bit. <laughs> but one of his core teaching is that um, about comedy is that it has to be about never giving up hope. And pun intended here entirely. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's been pun intended from the start of this <laughs> podcast. So, so the character faces all these obstacles in order to win. Um, in this case, it's Mary's affections, but to create the comedy, they must never give up hope. And because if you remove mm. hope, it becomes a drama. <laughs> um, and I think it holds. You, you could say an absence of hope is not what this film needs. <laughs> I think it holds true here because he's sort of the reluctant hero and he sort of yeah. effortlessly flows with what's thrown at him. He reacts to these yeah, situations but at the same, as Bob Hope. Yeah, he's. Yeah, and he's uh, he's saying that underneath he's terrified, but he's still uh, going and running ahead. Yeah, I was going to ask what you thought to of his motivations. How would you describe that? Um, I would say, you know, um, chivalrous, really, uh, because he's put in situations where he could, um, like, for instance, uh, when they're asked to go out to dinner together, all of them. The, there's an option for him to go along. Um, and you can tell that this guy is kind of putting himself forward towards uh, to, towards Miss Carter. So, you, I think that if he wasn't chivalrous, he would have just gone along at that stage with them. Yeah. But instead, he goes to make sure that she's safe. Yeah. So, I think that that's, that really kind of belies a bit more about his character. Um, I really know what you mean, but then at the same time, it's very complex because he's still really, he's sort of overtly trying to get with her in these different little ways that are only, only Bob Hope can do that. (laughs) You know, the whole dancing (laughs) scene with the whole farcical. But but the thing is, is that he does that, but when he's leaving, uh, he really does an awkward you're asking, yeah. You. Yeah, yeah. And she does the same back to him. Mm. So, there isn't... It isn't... Um, and that's where I, I like how they play off each other. It's not him trying the whole time with her. She's actually interested back because the whole time that they go out to dinner and he's not there, she's talking about him. Yeah. So, there is that backwards and forwards between the two and I like that because it's it's a lot more... I know, it's a lot more honest in a way and it's a lot less creepy. Yeah, yeah. But he's absolutely just thrown into this plot. And one of the funniest parts of the movie for me is where you don't know where he is for some time. Mary's off with Jeff at the restaurant, like you say. Then it cuts to him and Alex in the dark night, alone in the waters, hunched in a rowboat. (laughs) (laughs) Just heading to this island, you know. (laughs) So terrified. But like, he's there, he's doing it. And that's really funny to me. So (laughs) thanks again for recommending this. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm really glad you enjoyed it. I was, I was hoping you would, and you, um, you showed me hope. Uh, my, you, you proved my hope. So that's great. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad that it all worked out for the best. Yeah. Um, and thanks again to all so, our loyal and lovely listeners who stuck yeah. with us during, despite some breaks. Yeah, there's been a lot of breaks going on due to a lot of stuff happening in in life unfortunately um but you know i'm hoping that you uh not just new but old listeners as well who are enjoying listening to this 
Um, so thank you very much. Yeah. Um, so what movie do we have next? Our next film is sticking with the ghost theme and it's a joint custody mog, I like to call them. <laughs> <laughs> Ghostbusters from 1984. Uh, I'm looking forward to oh that. Oh my gosh. That, that's a top yeah. That's a top tier one right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, well, thank you very much, Derek. Thanks again. And I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Good night. Good night. Have you stopped? Have you stopped? I'm stopping right now. <laughs> Me too.